0: superman podcast network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the superman legend featuring the
1: thrilling adventures of superman
0: golden age superman
1: the superman fan podcast superman in the bronze age from crisis to crisis a
0: superman podcast the new 52 adventures of superman superman forever radio i've got a few things to say about superman the cares your podcast the superman vidcast the world's best podcast and radio kale from supermanhomepage.com join hosts michael Bradley, john wilson billy hokin charlie niemeyer j david weeder jeffrey taylor michael bailey scott gardner danny Sapp, came install i'm isaac i'm adam dave Eunice, and co-host scotty v at supermanpodcastnetwork.com Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Rocketed as a baby from the exploding
1: planet Krypton, Kal-El came to Earth, whose environment gave him fantastic powers. In Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil the world over as Superman. And welcome to episode 62 of Superman in the Bronze Age. I am your host, Charlie Niemeyer, and today we will conclude Team-Up Month by looking at part two of the two-part Superman Flash Team-Up that launched the series that DC Comics presents. But first, are you looking for a good deal in some comic book trades? Then head over to InStockTrades.com, a mainstay of the collected edition market. Trades has over 13,000 individual trade paperback, graphic novel, and hardcover titles in stock and ready to ship, all at great discounted prices. Most orders ship within 48 hours, and orders over $50 ship for free. Find them on the web at www.instocktrades.com and be sure to follow InStockTrades on Twitter and you'll receive notices on the deals of the week. Now that the holidays are around the corner, this is a great site to do some holiday shopping and shipping is free for orders over 50 bucks. Alright, next up. We received a comment for the last episode. We actually got feedback. Yes! Uh, this was left by Russell Bragg over on the website, uh supermaninthebronzeage.com a comment from last, on last episode. Uh he wrote, "Hi. Great show as always. I've had DC Comics Presents number 1 for a long time and it wasn't until years later that I got issue 2. So it took me a long time to know how the story ends. Can't wait to hear your take on it." Which you get to hear today. Yay. Still enjoying J. David's Superboy segments. It's cool that most of the stories he talks about, I have the comics to. That goes for your segments, too. As for Welcome Back, Cotter, I do remember that it was very popular when it first came on. I really didn't get into it until the show came on to Nick at Night years later. I just didn't understand it when I was younger. I personally don't know whether it was the show itself or all those catchphrases. You heard them everywhere. Up your nose with a rubber hose. I'm so confused. Usually over-dramatized, which I probably just did it way wrong because I never really watched the show. Or the famous horsehack laugh.
0: <laughs>
1: Mr. Carter. Uh, but DC having a comic book about it doesn't surprise me. I uh, guess that's all for now. Keep up the great work. Russell. Well, thanks, Russell. And if anyone else would like to leave us some feedback, please feel free to post on the Facebook page, leave a comment on the show posting, such as Russell did, or email in at superbronze1970 at gmail.com. Next up, promos. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. God, Johnny, I know nothing about comics. Do I have a solution for you? Hmm, riddle me your solution, good sir. Do you know what a podcast is, Nox? What? A podcast. It's like a radio show, but it's on the internet, and people talk about things. What, sir? Well, here's my thought. What if we did a podcast
0: about geek stuff? Genius! Right? So, here's my thought. I bring some sort of geek thing to the table, we both read or watch it, Then we cover it
1: from my perspective of being a geek my whole life and your perspective of, well, not. I like it. I like it a lot. All right. But what shall we call this podcast about? I think I've got it. How to to Make make a
0: Geek geek in 60 Minutes! How to Make a Geek in 60 Minutes with Nox Van Horn and Johnny Fryman.
1: to form Voltron. This is a job for Superman. Power Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots, transform! (laughs) Transform!
0: By the power of Grayskull. For the honor of Grayskull. Hello, I'm on the double down.
1: Charlie's Geek Cast. Coming January 1st, 2013 to charliesgeekcast.blogspot.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Alright, and today's comic is... DC Comics Presents number 2 with a cover date of October 1978 and a release date of June 12, 1978. And the cover price of just... Or, of 50 cents, which is a whopping 15 cent increase since the last time. But, this issue is supposed to be bigger and better, so... Which you can tell, because the... Story in this issue is twenty-five pages. Uh, we do get another. Ho- yeah, we do get another awesome Jose Luis Garcia Lopez cover featuring all of our, he- featuring both of our heroes and I- Ilar, uh, looking pretty awesome as they try to get through the cosmic curtain. I mean, who wouldn't want to read this? It looks really cool. Uh, the story, uh, the title of the story is "Race to the End of Time." Writer Martin Pasco, penciler Jose Luis Garcia Lopez inker Dan Adkins, letterer Clem Robbins, colorist Jerry Serpe, and editor is Julie Schwartz. Our story picks up shortly after the end of the previous issue. Superman arrives at the same point in the 25th century in which the Flash has been knocked out by Professor Zoom, the reverse Flash. He then watches as Zoom runs circles around the unconscious Flash in two opposite directions at super speed. This somehow causes Flash's body to start vibrating in two different directions literally pulling him apart. Not wanting to make his presence known, Superman revives Flash with a blast of super-cold, super-breath. Now conscious, Flash vibrates at super-speed to dive underground and pop back up behind Zoom, clocking him in the back of the head. As he runs off, Superman realizes that Zoom is just faking unconsciousness when he gets up and chases after Flash. So, while they are in chase mode, he karate chops the concrete and uses it to create a prison. Meanwhile, Flash realizes that is behind him because he can hear the booming noise, which I guess is sonic booms, maybe? I'm not sure. Uh, so he uses the old foot-in-the-doorway trick to trip him up. This not only trips him up, but at such high speeds, it also pretty much knocks him out. So Flash takes him back to look for a prison and finds the one that Superman had just built. Not one to look a gift horse in the mouth, Flash throws him in there and starts running into the future again. Following closely behind, Superman flies off to the future and eventually catches up to the Flash in the time stream. After explaining that he's here to stop Flash's mission, we get three pages to recap the story from issue one. At this point, we learn that the communicators that the heroes were given by the Zelkot and the Vol'kyr transmit video and audio, but when they are in the time stream, they only get audio which probably should not also should not be possible for many reasons including the fact that it's the time stream and that the audio transmission works both ways so they can hear what the aliens are saying. Apparently Superman considers this a good thing but everyone shuts up pretty quick as they spot Ilar so Superman starts flying counterclockwise at super speed which is supposed to allow him to move through the time stream faster somehow in hopes of overtaking Flash. Unfortunately, the point soon becomes moot when an explosion rocks Ilar's time scooter and knocks Flash out of the time stream and into the 27th century, which also should be very unsafe. Meanwhile, Superman spots more of these time mines and wraps them up in his indestructible cape, causing them to explode inside. Then, moving silently so that the aliens cannot know what is, what is happening, he knocks out Ilar. then flies clockwise to go back to the point of the 27th century where the explosion occurred so he can make repairs, uh, such as to the dimensional warp hole that was ripped open in a random plastic-like wall in the middle of a city. So, using a long cable and a giant needle created from a nearby archway that he straightened out and kind of molded, Superman sews the hole closed. That's right. He sews it closed. While Superman's busy doing this, Flash returns to the time stream and catches up to Ilar just in time for them to find themselves trapped inside some cylinder far in the future. Meanwhile, if that term works when you're in a different time, Superman returns to the time stream only to find himself suddenly kicked out of it. While he's pondering why, we go back to Flash in the cylinder, as he's left to wonder how it could have been built in the exact spot he was running in, and so quickly, since he was moving you know, through time and this just suddenly stopped him. Um, but examining Eiler's tunic, he sees a note tr- that says, trust me, signed Superman, which leaves him sort of relieved. So then he vibrates the walls of the cylinder, causing it to shatter. While Ilar suddenly disappears into the time stream, Flash is surrounded by some future turtle-like people armed with spears. Uh, meanwhile, Superman realizes he's in the 30th century when he finds the headquarters of the Legion of Superheroes. He enters, looking for help, only to meet himself as Superboy which should be an impossibility cuz a person should not be able to exist in another in a time period where he's already there that is a pre-crisis dc comics timeline or time travel rule i guess you could say superboy cannot be in the same place as superman and vice versa uh, so then we cut back to Flash, who runs away from the Turtleman but still gets hit by a spear. Cutting back to the 30th century, Superman has realized that the signals from his and Flash's communicators uh, must be what's causing a disturbance in the time stream, which is what it's al- not only trapped him in the 30th century, but is allowing him to exist in the same place as his younger self. How can they counteract this? Simple. Superman and Superboy fly at each other at Super speed where the impact of an irresistible force, meaning an immovable object, will somehow fix everything and hurl them back to their own times. Sounds plausible, right? So they crash into each other at full speed, and Superboy finds himself shunted back to Smallville in the early 60s, and Superman finds himself in Metropolis in 1978. So then he takes off and returns to the time stream to catch up to Flash and Ilar. In the 20th century, the Zelkod and Volkir find that the communicators are no longer working at all. While they're confused, we catch up to the heroes to find out that while the Superboy, Superman-Superboy collision destroyed Superman's communicator, Flashes was busted when the spear hit his communicator, which also prevented it from actually harming him. So now that they can't be eavesdropped on, Superman explains to Flash that he's not trying to stop Flash and Ilar just because of trying to save Krypton and make sure that he still lives. But, you see, without their war, the seeds of life would not have been left on Earth. Therefore, Flash would be saving the planet, but none of the life on it. So at this point, all three travelers reach the cosmic curtain. Ilar makes his way through, but the hole he's created starts to close. Now, apparently, once once this has happened, it's going to be impossible to go through this again, so they need to get through before the hole closes. But there's only enough time for one of them even, there's only enough time for one of them to safely pass through even with their great speed. So Flash vibrates his body as he heads through, allowing Superman to fly through his body, which means that they both can pass through at the exact same time. It's easier to see than it is to explain. I apologize. So soon, they catch up to Ilar, where Flash knocks him out while Superman uses his heat vision to reduce the, di- the time scooter to slack. Then the heroes head forward through time until they reach June 20th, 1978, which is apparently when things get started, which means this story takes place in the future as the first issue was back in April and this issue came out eight days before that date. So, Yeah. Uh, Superman then wraps the other two occupants in his cape and f- oh so Superman wraps the other two in his cape and flies them up to the alien ships where he uses a super cold breath to n- to knock out the life support systems putting the occupants in a deep freeze and allowing the heroes to quickly take them out and shut off the vibrational beam. Superman then gives the ship a super strong toss that should have the aliens on the other side of the galaxy by the time they come to. Then, back on Earth, Superman and Flash make plans to head back to Central City for some coffee and relaxation. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. In a world where planets die...
0: I have come to the conclusion Krypton is doomed. Did I hear him right? Where good and evil fight a never-ending battle but millions of people will die millions once again the press
1: underestimates me one man will become a hero
0: every world needs its heroes clark they inspire us to be better than we are and they protect us from the darkness that's just around the corner
1: one man will rise to the challenge.
0: Look. It's a bird! It's a
1: plane! What man will wear spandex?
0: Well, one thing's for sure, nobody's going to be looking at your face. Mom? Well, they don't call them tights for nothing.
1: (laughs) Presenting the thrilling adventures of Superman. Podcast looking at the man of steel's history via his earliest adventures in comics, radio, and film. Featuring reviews, commentary, creator spotlights, and more. Join the adventure at GreatCrypton.com.
0: You are cordially invited to attend the podcast. That observes the unfolding events of history. Come with me and observe the birth and growth of a legend. From the pages of a 10 cent pulp comic book to the newspapers, radio program adventures, theatrical films, and more. This the dawn of the superhero Golden Age Superman available on iTunes and at Com. Every legend has a beginning. We now return to Superman
1: in the Bronze Age. And we're back. And let's see, let's look at some of the notes I have on this. Um, Page two on this story. Shouldn't these opposite vibrations cancel each other out? I mean, it seems to work that way in any other Flash story. You have one set of vibrations doing something, you counteract them with different vibrations if he's making similar vibrations but going in different directions shouldn't they cancel each other out? I'm, it's weird. But then again, this whole story confuses me so I don't know. Page 3. Would a burst of super cold breath really wake someone up? I mean, maybe if it's bad breath but that isn't mentioned here so I'm not sure. I, Yeah. Page 10 moving right along. Uh, In the time stream, Superman and Flash seem to be moving at basically the same speed in somewhat of a straight line, like two people running down the street. So I don't see how Superman flying in a circle is supposed to make him go faster. Uh, um, But speaking of that, we see this happen twice in this issue. At one point, Superman... Flies counterclockwise to move forward and clockwise to move backward. So they do keep it consistent. But doesn't that seem backwards? I would think that you'd want to move clockwise to go forward and counterclockwise to go backward like on a clock. Hence the clockwise. So that that's a little weird. Uh, page 19. Okay, Superman pops up in the future and flies headfirst into Superboy. And this whole story was shown from Superboy's point of view in Super Team Family No. 5 from July 1976. I haven't read it, and I don't have it. So I don't know how that goes. But uh, Superman refers to that story here, and he remembers it as being a dream. So I thought that was kind of cool for continuity. Um, but... Then they kind of screw it up because Superman Ends up in Metropolis in 1978 And Superboy Ends up in Smallville in 1960 something Because roughly by this point There's supposed to be about a 15 year Difference between Superboy stuff And Superman stuff Basically So my question is Now this is the new Okay that's not my question Now this is the new religion's Uh, headquarters. Now I know that originally they were in Smallville when they were in the rocket one. I don't know much Legion stuff getting into this time period so I don't know where the newer, bigger headquarters is. But saying that that Smallville Superman when he was shunted forward in time, or back in time should have ended up in Smallville in 1978. Or if the headquarters was in Metropolis, Superboy should have been in Metropolis in the 60s, or, regardless of where the building of the Legion headquarters is, that's where Superman and Superboy should be in their respective times. They shouldn't be in different places, and ironically, and I love how they do this, Superboy is in Smallville, right outside of town, right by the Welcome to Smallville sign, and Superman pops up in Metropolis right near the WGBS building. So it's pretty cool that they were both able to coincidentally uh, pop out of the time stream near landmarks to help indicate what city they're in. I love it. (sighs) No, that's probably just Bronze Age stuff for you. Um, Overall though, again like last time, this was a fun story if you don't think about it too much because that's going to hurt your head and if you aren't analyzing it for a podcast. Um, but since analyzing is what I do for this show, I do feel that the pacing seems pretty uneven. We get several pages of what happens in the 25th century to get them back into the time stream. We get three whole pages of them doing the recap for last issue we get several pages of what seems to be kind of pointless stuff involving superman sewing up a dimensional warp hole which seems weird and you know flash dealing with turtle monsters and then the ending has to be scrunched down into about 3 pages um yeah um why Okay, here's a question. Okay, so Superman is able to somehow catch up to Flash and Ilar, even though they're way far in the future at this point, and Superman's back at his starting point in 78. I would think at this point um, that it would be easier for him to just fly backwards in time and try to cut off Ilar and Flash Back near the beginning of time, then it would be to go forward and have to catch up to them. But somehow he does this, even though he's supposed to be f- a little bit slower than Flash. And f- you know what? I think I'm gonna hold off on doing time travel stories for a while. Cause yeah, um, let's see though, uh, where was I? Uh, it, oh, okay. Other than that, um, I'm I'm really not a fan of how Superman deals with the dimensional warm, uh, warp hole. Um, sewing it shut just doesn't seem all that safe. It just seems a little too. I mean, granted, not anyone could have just sewn it shut with big cable and a giant needle, but it just seems too simple. Um, it's like, okay, we need to get out of this fast because we're running out of space in the issue. So it's almost like, why even introduce it? Um, And uh, unfortunately, though, there is some great art in this issue once again, thanks to Mr. Lopez and Mr. Atkins. Now, the inking again, made things a little wonky in a few places, especially in faces. and kind of I like to think that of um, Jose Luis García Lopez's art is kind of is, is sharp. I'm not saying he uses all angles, but you know it's it, it's sharp. It's got a sharp line to it. And Adkins' ink kind of softens that line if you can imagine what I'm trying to get at. And that's kind of what's happening in here. I mean, it does when, when he lets the pencils come through and doesn't do too much to it, it looks fine and great. Even when he does it with some of the muscles and stuff, it's fine. I don't mind that. It still looks good. But sometimes the faces get a little too much detail or a little too soft, and Superman looks like he's 50, and it just looks weird. Um... There is one great, is there's one big splash page near the end that has uh, Superman and Flash flying through, not flying through, but running into the future, and they're running through the time stream. We get little flashes of the different eras as they get into the present, and that page looks really cool. What is cool is that while I didn't like the way he takes care of the dimensional rift it's cool that once he's finished with the task superman is shown smiling as he flies off which is really cool because usually and this goes even into the post-crisis superman isn't able to take a minute to reflect and be happy or glad that he was able to save the day or something because he's usually got a grim look on his face as he's heading off to the next part of the mission it's usually something like that even in this case is basically what he's doing, but usually, you know, he's taking care of that, now he's gotta go take care of Brainiac or Zod or something. And this time he has to take yes, he has to go into the future and take care of Ilar, but he actually has a second to look at it and smile and be glad that he was able to save the day. Even though I think it's very temporary. Whatever. Now, if this story has sparked any interest in other Superman Flash races, you need to head over to J. David Weider's Superman Forever Radio, where, in episode 45, David covers pretty well, not all of them, but almost every race between Superman and Flash. Not just, first of all, he covers the origin of Barry Allen, then he covers the two, uh, two of the races between Flash and Superman. Then, he does the origin for Wally West, and covers a couple of the races that Superman has with Wally as Flash. So, you get about four different races. He doesn't cover any of the ones from this show, other than he makes a mention of the one I covered way back in World's Finest 198 and 199, which I also mentioned last episode. But he doesn't mention this one, because, you know, it's a weekly show, and the He's already covering about six different issues in that one episode. So, yeah, I don't blame him for not covering all of them. Uh, let's see. And also, speaking of Wally West, I also recommend that you check out Dave Walker's Flash Legacies podcast, as he is going through Wally's entire career as the Flash. Now, he's currently still in the early part of Wally's Flash career. Um, I think. I don't know if he's hit Millennium yet. He's post-Legends pre-Millennium, I believe. I haven't had a chance to listen to the last couple episodes. um, But this, uh, since you know, he's still early in the process This would probably be a really good time To you know, check that out And get caught up on that, sh- that, that show And now after the promos Which I'm going to play for both of these shows I'll be right back with the ads for this issue Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages
0: Well hello there, I'm J. David Weeder. You may know me from the internet. Come in, enjoy my palatial arctic estate. Ah, I see you noticed the smell of mahogany, and my hardback archive and showcase editions. Yeah, I do alright for myself. Listen, why don't you get cozy here with me on my titano skin rug while Metallo mixes up a drinky drink. Metallo, soda color martini, shaken. Look, I want you to come with me to a place. A place where it's only you and me and the Man of Steel, maybe Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane? Wait, wait, where are you going? No, this isn't me coming on to you. This is a podcast promo. What I'm trying to propose is joining me weekly like Clark Kent did when he threw the green crystal into the water and saw Marlon Brando's giant head appear, only in podcast form and my head just won't even be visible because it is an audio medium. Once a week, delve into the world of Superman with me on Superman Forever Radio. Look at comics, toy lines, TV series, characters, creators, anything and everything connected to the Man of Steel. Every Sunday at supermanforever.com, iTunes, and other podcatchers. Superman Forever Radio, fighting for truth and justice forever. That's supermanforever.com. See, I didn't mean what you thought I meant. It's all good. And yes, this is a new glowing white Kryptonian robe, thank you so much for noticing. And yes, that is Lori Lamaris lounging by the pool. Don't tell her, but we're having smoked salmon for dinner and she takes it very personally. And you know who can't take a joke? Terra Man. You get one glue factory reference and he's up in arms. Superman Forever Radio. Keeping J. David Weeder off the streets so you don't have to. Mongo Dindi. That's wrong character, wrong universe, and wrong galaxy. Hold on just one sec. Ah, here we go. Flash Legacies, a podcast connecting the adventures of Wally West, the third hero to be known as The Flash. Join me, Dave Walker, in my bi-weekly journey as I look at Wally's career from when he first donned the mantle of the Flash all the way up to the return of Barry Allen. Find me at flashlegacies.limson.com
1: We now return to Superman in the Bronze Age. And we're back. Okay, let's get into the ads real quick. Uh, First, we have the inside front cover, which is one of those, you know, do something and win prizes. Like a professional style hair dryer. A 40 channel CBAM radio. And a calculator. So, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Next up we have satisfy your meat tooth and snap into a Slim Jim. With uh, and I guess this works because this is a uh, no, this is a June issue. I don't know. Maybe it's because the cover says October, so they have kind of a scary-looking werewolf type of thing. But maybe it's just the ad campaign they were using. The bottom half of this page has a grit ad, which we won't get into. Uh, Next ad page is a hodgepodge page with a whole bunch of little ads. Uh, Next we have a full page ad. Big Double Play, graced ho- Great Hostess Cakes, and Free Baseball Cards. Get your mitts on these Hostess Big Leaguers, Hostess Cupcakes, Rich Moist Devil's Food Cake covered with chocolatey icing, and Twinkies Cakes, Gold Sponge Cake, and Cream Filling. It's a winning combination. And you get three full-color cards printed on the bottom of every specially marked box of Twinkie Cakes, Susie Q's, Hostess Cupcakes, and other Hostess Cakes. There's a total of 150 big league baseball cards with statistics. Now, I don't know how much these are worth, but I'm going to tell you right now that of the three examples that they show, which I don't think are the official examples because they look more hand-drawn, but I only recognize one of them. They have Bobby Orich from the California Angels. We have Rod Carr... Oh, I know him! Rod Carew uh, from, I don't know what team he's from, and but he's a Hall of Famer. Thank you, Adam Sandler and your Hanukkah song. And, of course, Nolan Ryan, who at this point was pitching for the Angels. So, there you go. Uh, next up, we have a DCer, DC Publisherial that says Onward and Upward, and it's written by Jeanette Kahn. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, uh but basically it set, explains why the prices were raised. Apparently, this was something that happened exactly this month um, and apparently the prices have been going up for every fifteen months for the past five or six years, which I hadn't really paid attention to, but anyway um but they you know pointing out that they've added 8 pages of story, no new ads, no extra reprints. Um, and along with the price increase except for the dollar comics, this is the first time anyone in the field is not giving you less for your money. Uh 40% gain 47% gain in story for only a 40 43% raise in price, so but basically it just explains Number one, why the price increase, and number two, the DC explosion that's getting ready to come up, which is actually pretty sad, because I looked ahead at some of the other comics coming out around this time, and two months from now is the implosion, is when it starts anyway. But in any event, uh, let's see, and you know, some of the new people that are coming in, as well as some of the veterans, and a bunch of the changes that are going on at DC right now. So it's a pretty ex- exciting time. Uh, moving right along, we have the f- a four-page ad for Clark Bars. Holy taste buds! It's the famous Clark Bars Superhero Sweet Mistakes! It says you could win a trip to Gotham, or New York, and appear in a superhero comic book. You could also win zing wings, which are basically uh, frisbees with the superheroes on them. Uh, let's see, you could win flashlights, super stickers, or a super kite. Now, I will point out that while the art for the main part of the page appears to be, I'd say that's straight up Dick Giordano art, the artwork sort of shown on these frisbees and flashlights look like they're from Super Friends. But they have more superheroes. Um, You see Superman on the Frisbees, Batman and Wonder Woman on the flashlights, which are really dingy-looking flashlights. I do see Captain Marvel, the DC version, on one of these sticker sheets, and Spider-Man is the one on the kite. So, yeah. In fact, I want to say at one point, they do another ad for these guys, and they actually have... um, the Marvel and D.C. heroes all on the same page. But uh, first prize. If you're lucky enough to win the first prize, Clark will fly you and your family limit of four people to New York City in back. Uh, you'll stay for three days and two nights for all expenses paid. They'll take you on the tour of the D.C. offices so an artist can draw you into an upcoming issue of your favorite D.C. comic. You'll be part of the action right along with one of DC's famous comic, super, comic book superheroes. You'll have plenty, plenty of free time in Gotham, too, for seeing the Statue of Liberty or taking boat rides or just looking up at tall buildings a lot and saying, Wow! And when your comic book adventure is published, we'll send you 15 comics for your family and friends. They'll be proud to know a famous person like you. Second prize. If you're one of the 20 second prize winners, you get your choice of famous superhero watches. Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Batman. Or if your your taste should happen to run into supervillains instead, the Joker. (laughs) That's it. Just the Joker. The watches are Swiss-made with full-color superhero pictures and would normally sell for $19.95 to $23.95. So maybe not your cheap plastic watches. Third prize. If you're one of the 103rd prize winners, we'll send you a year's subscription to your favorite DC or Marvel comic. Uh, The Incredible Hawk, Red Sonya, Thor, Green Lantern, Flash, Captain America, Wonder Woman, Justice Society, Miss Marvel, you name it, even Little Lulu. So find yourself a pen or pencil, fill in the entry blank, and mail your entry to us before November 1st, 1978. Dang, that means we missed it. Poop. Oh, there's more prizes. Huh, just got to turn the page a little bit. There's sunglasses, watches, super posters, uh, super lamps. That's actually kind of cool. Uh, utility belts, which, okay. <laughs> the, they have a Superman belt, or I'm sorry, a Spider-Man belt and a Batman belt both of them seem to include the same thing except Spider-Man's has some kind of a wristwatch and Batman's has a bat grappler other than that they all con- they both come with the same stuff a radio looks like rope uh, and cuffs so yeah. Uh, there's superhero stamp set, radio-controlled vehicles, which of course would be the Batmobile or the Spider-Mobile, and super parachutists, which I'm guessing is you get the superhero probably badly painted on a piece of plastic that looks like a person, tied to the end of a parachute, you throw it up, and it comes back down. You know, simple stuff. Uh, moving on, we have one of those old-timey task force for just taint trap ads except now they're whopping 225 plus postage basically you know the little plastic army toys that don't move or anything Uh, a a full-page ad for the DC Explosion. Dollar Comics now feature cover-to-cover, all-new story and art with no ads. Superman Family number 191 starring Superman, Supergirl, Lois Lane, Nightwing and Flamebird, Krypto, Jimmy Olsen, and Superboy, and guest-starring the Doom Patrol and the Newsboy Legion. On sale June 20th, the day they return to Rosemont. Whoa! And Adventure Comics number 459, starring The Flash, Wonder Woman, Dead Man, Green Lantern, The New Gods, and The Elongated Man, on sale June 13th, exactly eight years before my baby brother would be born. And it's pretty cool. looks like the Superman Family uh, comic is drawn... I have to look at it when I, a little bit when I do the Elsewhere segment, but it looks like the Superman Family one is drawn by our favorite, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, and the Adventure Comics one is drawn by... It's either... Neil Adams or Jim Aparo. I'll have to get back to you on that. Uh, From the pages of G.I. Combat, OSS Spies at War, 25 pages of combat espionage and Showcase Comics number 104. Because right around this time they decided to bring back Showcase... Which hadn't been going on for a while. And of course Showcase everyone knows is the comic that they first had in the during the Silver Age. The first introduced everyone to Flash, Green Lantern, Lois Lane in the solo series, The Atom, just about all your big uh Silver Age comics. Uh, they all started in Showcase and then moved on to their own series. So it's pretty cool that they're bringing Showcase back. And the DC Classics, the best in comics entertainment. Uh, there's two series for this. Uh, Battle Classics, featuring Sergeant Rock, The Haunted Tank, and and Johnny Cloud together. Uh, and of course, Dyna- Dynamic Classics number one, featuring Batman and Manhunter. And these two books are basically reprint titles. Uh, just reprinting some of their best stuff. Is the plan. Um... Unfortunately, neither of those issues last past the first one. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, all of these are available in June. So June was a big month, if you were a DC Comics fan. Uh, let's see, moving right along. the Next up, we have the top half of the page is HodgePodge Ads, and the bottom half is, uh, looks like it's a subscription uh, important notice: Applications are now being taken for the following chapters of the DC Superstar Society: Batman, Black Lan- yeah, Batman, Black Lightning, DC's War oh. Heroes, The Flash, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Green Lantern, F- Justice League, Justice Society, Legion of Superheroes, Shazam, Superman, Wonder Woman. Send a long s- stamp, self-addressed envelope with your name, address, and the chapter you prefer to DC Superstar Society. You will receive a detailed application form explaining the DC Superstar Society the items in your chapter's membership package and your special chapter questionnaire testing your knowledge of your favorite DC superstars. Each one's different so select your favorite. Please allow up to eight weeks for response. So this isn't a subscription. This is like fan clubs. That's cool. Oh, I wish they still did that. That'd be neat. Uh next up is a full page ad for the DC Explosion at last. Forty-four pages for just fifty cents, twenty-five pages of all news story. The excitement starts today. Send in your subscription now. And they show the an issue of Detective Comics and an issue of Commandy, an issue of Our Army at War, and an issue of Scalp Hunter, and an issue of Superboy and the Legion, the issue of Superman. All star comics featuring the Justice Society. Uh, looks like showcase presenting Dead Man, and that's all you see on here. But we'll get more into that. And it lists all the comics they have available. And man, do they have a lot! Wow, they have 50, they have several fifty cent titles, and se- uh, about six one dollar titles. <sighs> wow, and the uh. Those are really affordable. Wow. Can you imagine? Yeah. Apparently, postage and handling pays into it though, because you get twelve issues for six eighty five. So it's no longer like, you know, you're paying for ten, you get the last two free. At fifty cents an issue, you get twelve issues, and instead of them being for six bucks, it's six eighty five. Same thing with the dollar titles; you get six issues for six eighty five. So, weird. Uh, let's see, then you get the letters page. Uh, then we get the Daily Planet. I don't think this is the first one, but it's the Daily Planet. Uh, Brave and the Bold features Human Target. So Brave and the, uh, so Human Target is moving over to Brave and the Bold, starting with issue 143. So if you remember uh, that we used to cover Brave and the Bold here when it was in action, now it's going to be in no, not Brave and the Bold. We used to cover Human Target when it was in Action Comics. It's moving over to Brave and the Bold. Still done by Neil, by Lynn Ween and Dick Giordano. So that's really cool. Uh, A new hero debuts in Shade. And let's see. Doesn't say... Oh, yes, it's The Odd Man. But it's by Steve Ditko. So, yeah, The Odd... Uh, That's in Shade the Changing Man, number nine. The Ray, a Golden Age hero who apparently is returning, uh, moves to a solo spot in Black Lightning. I'm guessing he's the backup story. And that's in Black Lightning, number 11. Uh, Ask the Answer Man. Let's see what we've got. Will Batman be getting his own Dollar Spectacular? Yes, and it'll be coming your way in late July. Ooh. Uh, Let's see. Question. Why don't you get your comics to the stores on time? Answer. We do our best to have them distributed on time, but if you have a specific complaint, please let our circulation department know about it. Question. Any hopes for the demon to return in his own series? Answer. Keep an eye out for Batman Family number 21. The demon begins there. Question. You have announced the cancellation of various mags, but I want to know if Cobra, Blitzkrieg, and the Joker have also been dropped answer yes and so has secret society of supervillains with number 15 which kind of stinks it's a DC explosion but they're canceling stuff It's oh well uh, question who or what is the SPCA a, or answer the society for the prevention of cruelty to animals is an actual org- organization which does just what its name implies doesn't really work in a I don't know why that's in a comic thing, but okay. Maybe he saw that in a... Uh, uh, the Direct current section tells you all about what you get uh, showing off in Battle Classics Number 1, House of Mystery 260, Superboy and the Legion, and Superman Family, which I'm going to get to in a little bit, and tells you what other books are on sale right now. But that's no fun. Uh, the next page is another Super Gifts and Gimmicks. Getting more, you know, Gifts and Gimmicks from... Skull flashlight to the X-ray specs. Uh, inside back cover, we get the sell stuff and you win prizes again. Featuring a different kind of hairdryer, different kinds of wristwatches, uh, remote control cars, a soccer ball racing set, a curling iron. Right. And the inside and the back cover, not the inside back cover. The back cover is get your own supersized two foot by three foot BMX poster of the Raleigh Rampar. Bring it on home. See, it's the Raleigh Industries of America. For a dollar, you get this poster. Not bad. All right, so moving right along to elsewhere in the DC multiverse. The other comics that came out this month for June 1978 uh, in alphabetical order, we have Action Comics number 487, uh, where the Daily Planet Globe starts flying around like a guided missile, and it's planning to destroy the WGBS building, so that's pretty cool. Plus, the Atom shows up in Action Plus. Adventure Comics number 459, which... excuse me, which I mentioned earlier, it does indeed have a cover by Jim Aparo, and if you've ever wanted to see how he would draw Darkseid, this is your chance because Darkseid appears on the cover and he does not look very good granted, this is, you know Darkseid looks different these days, I'm going by what I know for Darkseid this is, you know, uh, Darkseid from the 70s, so maybe that has something to do with it but yes, uh, Flash, Dead Man, Green Lantern, New Gods, Elongated Man, and Wonder Woman are all appearing in this comic in six all-new superstar features. Uh, All-Star Comics number 74 presents the legendary Justice Society of America, featuring your favorite Golden Age heroes, and Golden Age Superman makes an appearance. Battle Classics number one Uh, let's see it didn't take Okay, Battle Classics number 1 features a uh, reprint a story from Brave and the Bold number 52 featuring Sergeant Rock Johnny Cloud and Haunted Tank all together in the same story Black Lightning number 11 like I said you get the new adventures of The Ray and Black Lightning yeah fighting some other black guys because it's the 70s, and that's what Black Lightning does. Uh, Let's see. Brave and the Bold features a team-up between Batman and the Creeper, and the human target gets the backup series. Of course, we had DC Comics presents Detective Comics number 479 features part two of Batman vs. Clayface, drawn by Marshall Rogers, and inked by Dick Giordano, uh, with Hawkman getting the backup feature True heroes never die. Uh, Dynamic Classics number one. Like I said, this is the only issue of this series. Uh, The Batman story that's reprinted is The Secret of the Waiting Graves by Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, and Jake Giordano from Detective 395. And since I just told you that we're at 479, you can tell that it's pretty old. And Manhunter in the Him- Himalayan edi- uh, Incident, which is a Manhunter story by Archie Goodwin and Walt Simonson. So if you like those. And that is from Detective 437, so that's a lot more recent. Uh, and it features a new Dick Giordano cover so with Batman on it. It's really cool looking. Uh, Flash number 265. Uh, where super Where we see Flash on his second honeymoon. And in a backup story, we get Kid Flash uh, against a menacing monster. Uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number 108. Uh, Where we see Green Arrow and Green Lantern fighting what appears to be some kind of giant alien bat creature. Replicon. Oh, okay. They fight Replicon. And in a backup series, the Golden Age Green Lantern returns uh, as the champion of the Green Flame. So you get a backup Golden Age GL. That's pretty cool. See, right around this time, the Golden Age characters started making their comeback, too. I don't know how much of it is tied to the explosion, but, you know, All-Star Comics returned with Justice Society. Uh, So they were getting a push there. Uh, the Rage coming up in Black Lightning. We're getting Green Lantern in the Green Lantern book. Uh, so, yeah, the Golden Age is really starting to make a comeback. Plus, you know, they've been showing up a lot in the yearly in Justice League. So. Uh, Justice League of America, number 158. Um, Justice League versus the Injustice Gang. And ultra, and ultra, who has made the Justice League powerless? So that's not good. But it's a full-length, fantastic novel. Uh, Commandi, the last boy on Earth, number 59, features, uh, oh, Oma- yeah, features Omac as well. So you get Commandi and Omac together, not together. It's just they're together on the cover. It looks like, but yeah. Drawn by Jim Starlin. So uh fighting forces we're not worrying about, Sergeant Rock, the OSS Spies of War. Let's see, showcase number one oh four. I'm only looking at this because I am curious to see how much longer it goes. But my internet is being a pain. Let's see. Huh. And this is the final issue of Showcase. So just to show you this, yes, this is the explosion month. The implosion is very quick to follow. Uh, This is the final issue of Showcase, which is part of their big sales for the explosion. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes in Earth's Last Stand. (laughs) Uh, Featuring the Legion of Substitute Heroes. Sweet. Sweet. Uh, we get Superman number three twenty-seven featuring Superman versus Cobra, who has somehow uh, brought back Jonathan and Martha Kent. I don't know how that works. See, this is one of those. I haven't read that one. I have plans to cover that in this in this sometime next year, so I'm not reading it for on purpose, but. That's got to be cool. Uh, And also, beginning in this issue, it appears, uh, Superman and Lois Lane from Earth-2 team up uh, with the Mr. and Mrs. Superman feature. Uh, So I guess it technically makes its debut here. Uh, Let's see. Superman Family, number 191. And I was wrong. The cover of this is not drawn by... Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, it's drawn by Rick Buckler, who actually drew the covers to all the Superman issues this month Um, Superboy is battling a deadly machine from Krypton and uh, the question is, how can he win when he's under a weakening red sun Uh, so yeah, that should be interesting Uh, obviously you know he wins, because you know Superboy can't die, otherwise you don't get Superman, but that's some of the fun stuff you get. And finally, our final superhero comic of the month is Wonder Woman number 247, The Startling Secret of Inversion, The Inside Out Man. Um, He actually looks like a more muscle-bound version of the Aliens from Mars Attacks so yeah and uh, a new backup feature starting in this issue is Tales of the Amazon uh, which just lets them showcase some of the other Amazons outside of Wonder Woman and that's it for Elsewhere's and next up our favorite Bronze Age boy brings us the adventures of Superman as a teenager so sit back relax and enjoy the dulcet tones of one J. David Weeder.
0: The Adventures of Superboy! Exciting stories of Superman when he was a boy, who even as an infant demonstrated powers and abilities far beyond the capabilities of Earthlings. Superboy, who as Clark Kent, mild-mannered foster son of Martha and Jonathan Kent, preserves the secret of his true identity and devotes his superpowers to the prevention of crime, the preservation of peace, and the pursuit of truth. Hi folks, J. David Weeder here with Superboy in the Bronze Age, where I cover a randomly selected Superboy tale from the 1970s and early 1980s. This time, in the spirit of Team-Up Month, I am bringing you The New Adventures of Superboy number 13. This was the January 1981 issue, hitting stands on October 23rd, 1980. This book-length tale, written by Carrie Bates and penciled by Kurt Schaffenberger, entitled Superboy's Wild Weekend Out West. I'm going to do this a little bit differently, since it's a longer tale, and I'm not going to do my standard synopsis in the notes format, but share with you as we go into the issue. Beginning, appropriately, at the opening scene in which Clark and Lana are leaving school, only to have issues with tigers when a car hits a truck carrying the cats to a circus. Of course, Clark hides to become Superboy and rescues Lana. Honestly, this scene has nothing to do with the overall story and yet the image of Superboy fighting tigers is right on the cover. Who knows why? The real story actually begins when the Kents hop on a plane for Coast City thanks to the generosity of Clark's rich Uncle Fred. On the plane, Clark meets a young man named Harold Jordan, not yet Howl. and as the plane begins to crash, Harold tries to calm down the other passengers, showing that he is not afraid, a trait that will serve him greatly in his future endeavors. Clark saves the plane with a method that defies physics, he pushes against his seat in the floor of the plane and uses that to fly the plane with his flight powers. Um, just saying, that would break the plane in half. But, you know, pesky physics. And I know we're dealing with pseudo physics with a, a kid who can fly, but come on, give me a little bit here. Um, when the kids get to Coast City, we meet Uncle Fred, and Superboy heads back to Smallville to bust some crooks and keep his secret identity intact, leading to a funny bit with Uncle Fred trying to ask about Clark being... delicate. But actually, this is a brilliant move, because Clark is spotted in Coast City, but witnesses see Superboy in Smallville. It's airtight, except that most people know that Superboy could make that flight and discount seeing them in two different places. Plus, he kind of blows that later on in the issue. Now, the next day, Clark meets Uncle Fred's niece, Esther. Now, I can't figure this out, because doesn't that make her his cousin, or what have you, but... There seems to be a bit of romantic interest there, I'm not entirely comfortable. Not that it gets far, because at the beach, Clark gets sand kicked in his face like a Charles Atlas ad, and Esther takes off with some hunky guys. Bummer about your cousin ditching you, Clark, maybe it was the fact that you admitted that you prefer Andy Williams' music. No, that was an actual line from the issue. No fear, Hal is around and invites Clark surfing. That's right, Clark goes surfing. And while riding the waves, Clark spots a sinking ship and then changes to Superboy to rescue it. And there goes that work hiding your secret identity. Well played, well played. I know you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, At Uncle Fred's anniversary party, Clark fakes an illness because he has clued in that the boat he rescued didn't sink due to a blown engine as originally thought. It was due to a collision with a submarine. Wait, wait, you heard me right. A submarine. Now, this was in somewhat shallow water, but look, I can only go so far. Okay, I'm just going to play with this. Watching with telescopic vision, and putting all of this together on the fly, but wouldn't the sub have been in the area when Superboy rescued the boat? I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Anyway, Superboy nabs some crooks on the beach and realizes that Hal has been kidnapped, and he is aboard the sub. Of course. And look, do I really need to tell you what happens? Hal works on beating up the crooks within the sub, Superboy works on the sub, the day is saved, and Hal and Clark talk about being a great team. Yep, darn near the exact same plot as we saw in the Aquaboy story, just add a dose of Brady Bunch-style hijinks to convolute the meeting, and we are set. I do like a bit of camp in my Superboy stories, but this was over the top. Um, Esther was completely unnecessary, she served no purpose. As was the whole beach bullying thing, and the actual crooks played way in the background, And so did Harold Jordan. I will give props to the writing that they didn't go over the top with hinting about Jordan's eventual future, he didn't make any wacky ring comments or anything, instead they played on his fearlessness, which is where he needs to be. That was the good part of the story, but I still expected him to get hit by a curse from an an idol, Greg Brady style. Now wait. Now that I think about it, we did get the Tigers at the beginning of this issue. So I stand corrected, this is totally a Brady Bunch episode. So not a winner in my book, and I'm kind of out of time here, so I'm going to hand you back to Charlie Niemeyer. Why is it always Charlie, Charlie, Charlie?
1: Thanks, David, and that's going to do it for today. Um... Thank you all for listening, and thank you for downloading. Uh, next episode, we're going to do a one-off episode because we have special plans for the episode right before Christmas. So, next episode, I am doing a story that doesn't involve any team-ups or any other superheroes. What issue is that going to be? I'm not going to tell you. you got to listen to find out. So come back next month for another Superman in the Bronze Age adventure. You'll be glad you did. See you guys. You have been listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Weeder. The home of the show is at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, where you will find show postings, links to the RSS and iTunes feeds, and more. You can also find the show on Facebook, where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted, and on Stitcher Smart Radio superman of the bronze age is also a proud member of the superman podcast network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com there you will not only find postings for this show but also for many other superman related podcasts superman was created by jerry siegel and joe schuster and is copyright dc comics thank you for listening and god bless You can hear our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, BlackBerry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.